0: We welcome you to the Media Ministry of Denton Bible Church. It is a privilege to be here with you today. We are celebrating 20 years of Serve Missions. We have been doing missions before that, but we organized and put it together and started sending our own about 20 years ago. I want us to look at this weekend as a type of family reunion. Every Sunday is a family reunion, but this Sunday we're welcoming 38 plus, almost 70 different countries in, at least through the people that are here or the people that represent us out there. Family reunions can get a little bit crazy. Um, We're gonna serve food afterwards, or at least they call it food, it's hot dogs. You only eat those at either family reunions or Ranger Stadium. I I hope that this ends up better than Ranger Stadium has lately. Um, Whether this is your first week here, or like some of us, uh, Steve I was talking to earlier, Um, It's decades. We've been here decades. And um, we have the privilege of being knit together, bound together uh, as a family with eternal likeness. For those of you who don't know me, you need to be a little bit cautious. I am the crazy brother-in-law, uncle, cousin, whatever it is in your family that you don't usually uh, have microphones at family reunions because of me, and yet here I am, and they've given me a microphone. So um, we're going to talk through a little bit of our heritage, and I want us to be challenged to not be comfortable, because we can look at what we've done. These flags represent some effort, and we can sit here and we can applaud ourselves if we're not careful. And uh, we were never meant to be comfortable in this family. A little Dan Hefley in me. Um, so strap in and hold on. I'm gonna take us through a little verbal slideshow for our family, but before we go there, I wanna prepare you with some uh, some things to think about as we go to, to it. We've read the text of Acts 1-8. It's nothing new. I'm not gonna tell you anything New, probably from the Bible today that you don't already know, that you haven't heard echoed through these chambers for years and years and years and years. But I want us to revisit it because that's what we do at family reunions. We pull out the pictures, we pull out the slideshows, and we look at the family albums. One in particular is probably the verse, "I don't have a life verse, but if I did, this would be it. And it comes from John 3:30, and it's, uh, it's about John the Baptist, and it says, he's talking about God. He's talking about Jesus, and he's talking about his Lord who has come, who He was the predecessor, the, the forerunner for, And he says, "He must increase. I must decrease." When we go into ministry, when we go into life, when we go out there to represent ourselves in the family of God as his ambassadors, either here or far away, he must increase. I must decrease. So we may come back and visit our little family motto a little bit. The other one, which is gonna put us forward and a little bit convicting when we sit here on 40 acres and millions of dollars of buildings comes from Luke in the prequel to Acts from which we read. It says, to whom much is given, much is required. And so we rest between those two statements. He must increase, but I must decrease. To those who have been given much, much is required. And that's our family dynamic. That's how we live on point, purposeful, intentional. The coolest thing about our family is our Father, amen. We love telling the stories we have learned about him and our Lord. We long for others to know him through the empowerment of the family spirit. All our reunions begin and end with him. He has substance. That's what the word glory means. It means weighty. It means a substance of truth, veracity. It's not what you get outside and so we gather and we gather and we gather and we don't forsake the gather and we come back to remember what our purpose is because the world is pulling us in so many different ways telling us this needs to be our priority. You need to be your priority. Care about you. He must increase. We must decrease. Let's look at the text we read earlier. It portrays, projects, our family going to different places. Uh, and, and we're gonna bring in some pictures of that, okay? So this morning, I'm gonna go through Acts 1:8. This evening, come back, because I'm gonna do the Great Commission. We're gonna look more at the content of that purpose a little bit more closely. So make it a family day. Let's, let's crowd out the Student Ministry Center tonight. The missionaries are gonna be there. There's gonna be time to gather afterwards. You can talk and hear their stories and to see what's going on. Acts 1, 1 to 11. The first book, so was the, the author wrote, was Luke, and Luke wrote more than any other author of the New Testament, even more than Paul. He's got Luke and Acts, and there's more verses there than any other person who wrote. And he's writing to possibly a, a friend, a, a, somebody that he is wanting to explain the truths of the family dynamic O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. And this is where Acts 1 starts off. We see the gospel, the good news in Luke. We see Jesus born. We see Jesus come to life in his ministry. We see him do the miracles. We see him turn his face to Jerusalem, knowing that he's going there for the purpose, which we're going to find in just a few verses, our purpose to die until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the holy spirit so he has this authority there's a a mutual submission going on in the trinity and jesus gives these commands through the spirit that goes to the apostles whom has come to us throughout the ages And this is the plan. The plan is for Jesus to command, the Spirit to tell, we to get it, and then to go. There's no change in that plan. He he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And I am just blazing through this text Because I just want to pull out one thing here. While staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait, just stay. For the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. Get this, don't, don't miss this little side note. This is Jesus resurrected. This is Jesus going through the beatings of torturous crucifixion. This is Jesus talking to his apostles. Hey, God promised You can count on it. And that's the cool thing about our Father, that his promises are true. Every one, not one, is left unanswered. Who knows that best than someone who spent all eternity with him? Who proves that best, who trusts the Father and goes through death and gets resurrected by him? Can I trust the Father? Jesus says you can. You can. You mean I can actually live the way the Bible calls me to live? Yeah. In fact, I would say that if you're sitting in these seats today and you're not living on task, if you're not living on purpose or intentional to him, you're probably bored to death with your spirituality. You don't get it. You don't get it. In fact, you're probably sliding down to a belief that Like most of the world, this is really irrelevant. It's something I do on Sunday mornings for my 90 minutes. But that's not our family dynamic. And we gather to remind each other. It's not us. John baptized with water. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Oh, okay. So Jesus is about to depart, but he's not leaving us. He said he would never, we'll look at it tonight, never leave us, never forsake us. Not many days from now, so when they had come together, they asked him, man, this is us. Let's just ask all the wrong questions. Hey, is this the time for the kingdom? Get the timing wrong. Place wrong to Israel. Get the 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 um, broadness of it wrong, and he said to them, "That's not for you to know." Time, seasons, the Father's got it. Trust, it's fixed. His authority, he's got you covered. But what we see in these first few verses is God's glory. We see what His Son did and taught; that they were consistent. That what he said is how he lived. We see that Jesus was taken up, that there's an ascension, that after the resurrection, God care him up to heaven, and that's where he sits, and he intercedes for us now. That he's there. That he came from heaven, lived, died, went back to heaven. Jesus was resurrected. He overcame death. Glory. Substance weightiness. Tom says, I'm going to believe the guy who rose from the dead. There's no one else that has that kind of substance, that has that kind of glory. He taught on the kingdom. We're not of this world. That our family is blessed and belongs in an eternity that we are going to a place without sin, weeping, unnecessary pain, anguish, there's no tears, and that this place is not it, so do not put your roots down too deep here. This ain't home. Enjoy. I remember in the late 80s, early 90s, when I first arrived, Tommy's illustration was, you know, if you get a chance, have a couple scoops of ice cream. And he would always use Rocky Road I asked him about it one day, and maybe his flavors have changed. He goes, I don't even like Rocky Road. It ruined the illustration for me. (laughs) He wants the best for us. Spurgeon said it this way. He goes, if we really understood what heaven was like, we would put a millstone tied to our neck in a boat, row out to the middle of the deepest part of the lake and throw it in just to get us there as fast as we could. And yet we clutch this place. We claim our territory. We hold on to veins thinking that there's not enough to go around. And Jesus says, The abundant life is yours. Who do I believe? We see here God's glory. And once we understand the glory of our family heritage, we are encouraged to become likened to it, that we are now in the process of moving closer and closer to the image of Christ. The next verse of our family album is going to portray or project our family going to different places. But these are not vacation spots, these are places of need. These are places that don't have light. These are places that have lost their taste. And that we're supposed to go on intentional movements to be salt and light. I'm not here to call everyone into the mission force. It's not everybody's job. There's people who hold the rope and people who go down the rope. But you know what? When you're holding the rope or you're going down the rope, you have the same scars because the rope is going to burn both of you. We're on the same team. But you don't have options to opt out. You're on the team. You're in the family. We either hold the rope or we go down the rope into the well. We are purposeful. And I am thankful for those who hold the rope. And I get to hold it for others. But you're one or the other. We don't opt out. We're a family of sojourners. We're a family on task. We're a family that's transitory. We're a family that has a heritage of God's glory. And we are to bring that glory into this place that we presently call home, which is earth, that we are just passing through. Verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I want you to dream big. Uh, a pastor friend of mine, uh, passed away a couple of years ago to Gary DeSalvo. He used to always laugh. He goes, you always have one vision. It's for the entire world. And, and, and I just believe it. I think we can do that in this generation, that if Coca-Cola can make a product that where anyone in the world can wake up and within five to 10 minutes go refresh themselves with a Coke product, then why can't we have his glory everywhere? 11 men turned the world upside down. They had Roman roads, and they had Greek language that was forced on them. Today, we have mobility, both cyber and uh, physical. And, you know, one in two people in, in Europe speak English. You know, it's the number one, number two language. That your ability, just by growing up in America, gives you the privilege to be able to share the gospel With so many people. Jerusalem, I want to look at these places. We're going to have to go pretty fast here, but I hope you've had your caffeine. Jerusalem, uh, 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 typically when we look at this text, we, we, we try to make it look like ripples from, from the inside out, and I get it, and it goes back and forth sometimes. And, and I, I do agree with that, that, that we are going from this place to the next, to the next, to the next. But what I wanna do is put some emotional impact with it. That Jerusalem, the city of peace, what that place is, that's the place of death. He was born in Bethlehem where the sheep for the city sacrifice were, it's, it's a walking distance away. He came back, it says in Luke, his face turned towards Jerusalem in chapter 9. And it meant that he was looking to the task that he had come to do. And that was to die. Faith is based on that Death that there was one who was righteous, one who was perfect, one who had never sinned, who walked this earth in human flesh, but he never fell to temptation. And therefore he was able to offer his sacrifice for the sins of the world. And you're in this family because you've put your faith in that man's sacrifice. Jerusalem is the place of death. And it's the starting point for Acts 1 8 for the eruption of the church, which is going to be birthed here shortly in Acts. But you need to not go through this point too quickly. You had to start off with a death. And if you didn't, if you're still dragging half a life around, you're going to be that lukewarm, not knowing where to answer to. We die here. We come to faith and we die. This is not my life. He must increase. I must decrease. Francis Chan says We all like to talk about Jesus. We like Jesus. We like what he does. We like his personality. We like Jesus. That's good. You aren't just to like Jesus. You are to be like Jesus. You are to be the incarnate Christ of this generation. That's our family. Death. Jerusalem. This church started off with a death. My disciple, Pastor Mel, He came here because his fifth child died and it woke him up to the core of his being and he said, I need to make my life count. And at 51, when he could have retired in just years, gave it all up, came down here, checked meters, went to Dallas, and with 12 people started this church. And then those 12 people prayed that we would have an impact in every country on the earth and we are not there yet. But we're moving in that direction. I have a friend, a personal friend. This is not a story of a story of a story. And he, uh, he speaks some languages that not too many people speak. And he goes into some places that the gospel isn't allowed to go. And he was having such an impact, like literally 300 or p- more people had come to Christ just across the border where he was going into This is my shut up story, one of them, I'll share a couple of them with you, that when I start complaining about the dishwasher not working or whatever, I I remember these heroes in our family. The album reminds me, it gives me a picture of of where we're supposed to be. And so one day a guy showed up at his office and he said, hey, you need to cut this mess out. We're not putting up with this anymore. And when you find out what's going on at your home, you'll see we're serious. So he gets up and he runs home and he finds out that his five-year-old daughter has been abducted. This ends good. When he gets there, his wife is holding that daughter and they're sobbing and he goes, tell me what happened and the daughter says, this man, he took me away, he took me to this dark room and, and I could just feel the evil, something bad was gonna happen. He was then this brilliant man showed up, and what she meant was this bright man. And he led me out of there. And I made my way home. That's the story good enough. But what made this man become knit to my heart was this next part. Because his wife, like my wife would, now what? What are we going to do now? They're trying to kill, hurt our children. Now what? And the family response, like it or not, was evil doesn't decide whether we stay or go. God decides. We will pray and seek the Lord. They stayed there another six years, seeing tons of more people come to Christ. Then they moved to a place where they weren't abducting his kids, they were shooting at him. And the police told him he had to get out of there because they couldn't protect him anymore. But he, like us, know that death to life is the only way to get to life. The city of peace, Jerusalem, our DNA is sacrifice. Life out of death, death runs in our family, but life outruns it, and eventually it overcomes and outlives it. Death dies in the end. We aren't to fight the death, we're to live through it. Judea and Samaria represent the going forth. So if you look at the book of Acts, you've got one through seven or eight is in Jerusalem, and then you see the death of Stephen, which makes them wake up, oh, we're supposed to be going. And so they go out to Judea and Samaria, and that goes all the way down until you get to Paul, and then Paul ends up taking it to the ends of the earth. But the Judea and Samaria part, what that represents to us is risk risk. Man, I skipped over a couple parts. Let me back up. We're going to run out of time. Um, The power is there through the Spirit. The word is dunamis, and everyone makes all kinds of statements about it, but what you need to know is the Holy Spirit who lives in you, that there is a power for you to do this dying and living. A friend of mine, again, a friend of mine um, from North Africa, uh, he came to Christ at the age of 12, and then his dad beat him until he was 18 uh, daily um, because he wanted him to recant Christ, and he wouldn't. And so at 18, he said, man, I can do better than this, and so he left North Africa. Well, he left one side of North Africa and walked across a few countries to Egypt, thousands of miles away because he heard there was a training center there. They got there and they said, no, hey, we don't have room because of your visa. We can't take you. But there's a place in South Africa. And I know you're Americans, but Africa's huge, okay? I mean, like, it's big. Like, Texas is small okay, and um, so they walk from Egypt down to South Africa to find this little Dutch Reformed church that says, yeah, we'll train you, and they train him, and he learns how to do, uh, teach the Bible and share his faith, and then he comes to France, and he lives in France, and he's sharing with all these Muslims in France and winning them to Christ, and he wears this little red cross around his neck, but he greets them in Arabic with the, the formal greeting, but they see this cross, and so he's just an oxymoron walking around, you know, And um, so he's doing this for years and years and his sister calls him up and says hey dad is sick and the only place that we can get him treatment is France he says okay he must increase I must decrease to those who have been given much much is required send him so dad came dad was hospitalized, dad needed lots of care, and I'll call him Amin, it's not his name, but I'll call him Amin, would go in every day and he would, you know, what you do, you gotta move the wires, you gotta get them comfortable, put in the pillows, things like that. And he's leaning over his dad every day and this cross is just dangling right there in front of his dad every day. And a few days before he died, his dad reached up and grabbed the cross and Amin thought he was just gonna rip it off his neck and say, enough of this, And what he said was, there's power. Power. There's power in the cross. He led his dad to the Lord, and he died 72 hours later. There's power. Not only power, but we are to be witnesses. Martyr is the word there. Uh, It came out of that because so many of the witnesses of Christ ended up dead. Manju was a young lady who came to us because she had an Indian boyfriend and they wanted to be married, but the problem was the Indian boyfriend's dad was a pastor in India and Manju was, was a Hindu. And so his, his dad called me and said, hey, I ain't married them, not unless you say that she's a Christian. I'm like, oh, great. And so I sent a girl out to meet with her after six weeks. Manju's still not getting it. I sent a another girl out to meet with her a few months later. So a lot of times going by. And uh, eventually I check in one Sunday night with this girl. I say, how's she doing? She says, no, no, I think she's got it. I was like, really? And so I said, well, let me have coffee with her. And so I met with her and her boyfriend down in Nice. And as soon as I walk into the coffee shop, you can just tell there's this aura about her, you know? And I was like, oh, wow. And we sat down, and she, she got the gospel. You know, it's always a little precarious when somebody gets a reward for coming to Christ, you know? And that's why you gotta preach death up front, but, um, you know, she's like, marriage is waiting me, you know? And so it's just, it was just difficult. And so she asked to be baptized, and we went down to the Mediterranean, which is where we do it, and we all dressed in white shirts there, that's the culture. And she invited all her Hindu friends from the area, And so we let her share her testimony. I said, hey, tell us a little bit about it. And she shared the gospel. And I said, okay, but in India, you have three million gods. You're just adding Jesus to this? And she quit looking at me, and she looked at her eight to 10 Hindi friends, and she said, no. Jesus is the one and only true God. You must believe in him to be saved. I thought, Good enough for me. Let's get in the water. (laughs) Are we being bold? It's a family characteristic. Not mean, not hateful. Don't do Christianity on the internet. It just doesn't work, at least not the argumentative side, okay? You PM someone, and you tell them you'll meet them for coffee, but don't get into a theological discussion. The world doesn't need to see that, and we don't need to promote that. All right, just... Just kill that. You get face-to-face with your coworkers, your friends, those you recreate with, and you tell them, Jesus is the one true God. You need him. Judea and Samaria, as we go on, this, I think, represents risk because you're now getting out of you know, home country. It's not boots and cowboy hats anymore. It's people who speak with different dialects. It's people who weren't brought up the way you were brought up. And it's your job to cross that boundary, not theirs to conform to yours. You have to become like them, at least in a mentality so that you can reach them, not in a sinful way, but it, you've got to cross across that, that gap. This is where you are to be salt and light. I finished writing this sermon last night at Sobracitas. If you don't know Sobrasitas, I'm not sure you're really from Denton. Um, it's th- some of the best Mexican food you can find. If you're going down, Dallas Drive is right there after you go underneath the uh, uh, tracks on the left. Um, you might need a little Spanish getting in and out of there. But as I was sitting there working on this, eating my barbacoa, I was thinking, who's gonna share with these people? Who's gonna tell them? The other place I like to hang out at, Mike Shear got this wrong, by the way. So there are elders that are out there. Mike Shear thinks I hang out at Applejacks. Applejacks is a liquor store, okay? (laughs) Right next to Applejacks is a place called Harvest House, and yes, it is a bar. They also have a coffee shop on the front side called Java Rocket, okay? And I've been there. Most days, this last seven months that I've been home, and there are people in there that are my buddies that don't know the Lord, and I love them dearly. And they know what I do. They, they laugh that I sit in there uh, you know, with them day in and day out, but we've had some great conversations. Who's gonna witness to them? I plant seeds, Someone needs to water. You go to places that are unlike you. There's a coffee shop I go to, and and it actually got a little bit hard for me because it just got so rainbow-oriented at one point. But I just put my head down and say, you know what, they need the love of Christ. They're not my enemy. Put some risk into it. Life gets fascinating. Fascinating when you live on task, Christianity is boring. Our family is boring if you don't live according to our character. To those who have been given much, much is required. We have big enough buildings, we have enough land. We need to multiply. We need more Tom Nelsons. We need to be sending people out to do what he does and what he's taught us to do. There should be portions of you looking for places to go, people to meet. You know what's similar between all seven churches in the book of Revelation? If you go visit them today, they're ruins. They do not exist. Our structures weren't meant to last forever. This building, too, who knows where it'll end up one day. This is not our church. This is our church. And we use what we have been given with much responsibility. 40% is what Tom said last week. Goes out of this church. Laterno of Laterno University, when he died, he was living on 1% of his income, which was probably more than I'll ever make, I get it. But he gave 99% away. Man, we've got great models. We need to not get comfy. What would I need to take away from this church for you to say no more? What program? What music? Kindle? What comfy seats? What AC? What would it take to make you say, nah, I ain't going back there? A cultural family member is one who just comes for the hot dogs. (laughs) We're to be convicted family members. There was a pastor in a Colorado who shut down all his women's and men's program he said man we're giving you too much to do here we're gonna make you go out so the time that you used to spend building into yourself we want you to take it and go forth are you planning your spiritual life I know I don't I I plan okay I'm gonna preach through these things I want to study these things these books for me and it's all about me 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 and add to your agenda even if it's 1%, 5%, I'm going to take on this hobby for the purpose of meeting new people that don't go yet to my family reunion. Huh? It takes some risk. I've visited a dozen churches while I've been here, and, and there's some good work going on in Denton. Denton is growing crazy. We need to get on top of this and reach this community. This community needs to be reached so more people will see his glory. This glory will be increased as those more people send and hold the rope for others. That's the process. It has never changed. That we are people who come to faith, who mature, who go find people to come to faith, to mature, to send them, to go create more communities of our family out there to go win more people to Christ, to come to faith, to mature them, and to go. And if you're not doing that, you need to come a little closer to the family. The metrics we usually measure things by is uh, number of people and giving. That's fine, it's two metrics. If I asked you to stand up if you came here last year, probably everyone would stand up. If I asked you to stand up if you gave here last year, probably everyone would stand up. But if I asked you, share your faith last year? Disciple someone last year? then I would exhort you that you've become comfortable and you're just kinda along for the ride. And that the more of you that grow here, it's the more likely that our church will become comfortable. No guilt. I'm just trying to initiate a little bit of fire to get you up and out. And it's going to be for your good. You're going to realize that living on task, living for Christ, living on an intentional investment into other people's spiritual lives is going to create a life in you that is so profound. You're going to see his glory in ways that you never did before. You're going to fill his power because you're going to need it right now if you're just hanging out with all of us. You don't need that. You're wearing Kevlar in front of the TV. Those bullets aren't coming. Get out there. It's hard, I know. It's hard. All right, I'm gonna get in trouble. But you know what, Kindle usually gets me up here at 27. It was 28 today, so Kendall, you are off one minute. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I'm claiming it, and then Mike went over too, so <laughs> Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the Earth. The ends of the Earth is the eschaton. It means every place throughout all time. So even if we get to every place, we just start going again, until God comes back until the time has ceased, until you don't put, as Tommy would say, fog on the mirror. You go and you keep going, and you keep going. But, but, James, you don't know. No, I don't, but he does. My present shut up story is this one, I've told this in a couple of BTCP classes, so some of you may have heard this, but, We'll call him Adam. Adam went to a country that wasn't his own because it was illegal to be a Christian in his own country, and he went to this other country so that he could be trained. He got trained, and then he and 17 people went back to his home country, trained and ready to share the gospel. Adam was a very uh, evangelistic type of person. And so when he got back to his country, he and two of his buddies were quickly picked up and thrown in prison. But because Adam was so good at doing what he did, they gave him a very special cell in uh, European terms, it was a meter by a meter, so about three feet by three feet square. That was his cell. He couldn't even lay down in it, all right? In the middle of that cell was a hole, about a a 10-inch diameter hole. At the bottom of that hole was uh, the refuse of the prison. Everybody put their stuff in there, okay? Think of the smell, the thought of a East African Jail, like that. His two buddies got out, I don't know, on good behavior or whatever, and I met up with them in a place uh, just outside of there, and I said, hey, how's he doing? And they said, no, he's doing great. I'm like, what does great mean? He says, no, He, he took his circumstances as the providence of God. He said, I've been put here Because everybody in the prison comes through here every day. He knows all their names. He knows their families. He's praying for them while they're in there. Kind of weird moment to pray, but he's taking on the task of whatever situation he's in to do it. He's not saying, get me out. I'm sure he prays that. But he's saying, let him in. Make his glory known. And that's where the text ends. When he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, you can just see the 11 disciples gazing. And there's nothing up there, but they're like, you know, it's like you're watching one of the Marvel movies waiting for an Easter egg to come on. You know, it's like, is he gonna do something up there? Is there gonna be fireworks? What's going on? And so these two angels show up. And they say, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And so we see the glory of God again. We got these bookends of glory with this middle part of action for us to do, that we hang on this glory and we take this glory into these places. He leaves us Without ever leaving us, because he's filling us with his spirit. Acts ends the same way. Paul's selling off into the setting sun, and there's no there's no end to Paul's story. And you're like, Well, that happened. And it's meant to be that way. It's meant to be that way to say, because the story continues with you. That's not you, the person next to you, that's you. Tommy would say it, don't stand, just stand there, hit someone. For you internationals, that's football. (sighs) Jesus is coming back. We have been given his power. I don't feel like I've been given much. I'll end you with one last illustration and we will pray and go visit the missionaries and wait for the hot dogs. There was a lady in Nepal, her name was Manu. Mel and I got to meet her early on in our going out, and uh, her husband, Adon Rongong, was arrested in Nepal because he was baptizing believers. You get six years in jail. In jail in Nepal, you don't get food. Someone has to bring it to you. Manu had no ability to get to the jail, no ability to buy food without her husband, and so Adon Rangong was basically dead. And so Manu looked to heaven and said, now what, Lord, now what? What am I gonna do Now? I'm a woman in a place where cattle are more important than women. I'm here to share a gospel in a place where they don't believe in Jesus at all. I've got no money, I've got no protector, I've got no husband, I've got nothing, nothing, nothing. And God spoke to her. She got up at five in the morning, went down to the bus stop, she got on the bus, which was always crowded. The first time I went to Nepal, people would hang their arms over the outside window, right on the outside of the bus, and I still watch the guy come around and collect a ticket from them, okay? So these things are jam-packed. She would sit in the aisle, and then all of a sudden, someone would sit between her and the window, and she would share Christ with whoever sat there, day in and day out. Miraculously, three months later, her husband came home, and she had led 2,000 people to the understanding of God's grace. You got something, get it out there. God will grow it, he will grow it. Our family has a heritage, life from death. Our family has purpose, sacrifice and risk. Our family has mottos, he must increase. Our family begins and ends with his glory. And it's about us. Taking it to others and making it known. Father, I pray that we get it. Let these stories do more than just inspire us for a moment. Let us remember that these are our family members. These are our people. These are the ones who have gone out to be light and salt in places that there is no light and no salt. And Father, we have gathered some of ours home and they need our encouragement. They need us to hold the rope for them. They need us like we need them because we are not healthy just sitting here getting fat and comfortable. Father, I pray when we enter into this place, we enter knowingly into your presence. We enter knowingly that we are part of this family. We understand that that family has a character that we are to uphold and to keep and to promote and to be part of. Let every word that's preached, every song that's sung, every prayer that's prayed move us in the direction of doing just that, glorifying you.